only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, The Disciple, Brett Colson and Donnie D.P. Peters. Mo is in Barcelona covering a poker tournament that is never-ending, evidently, a PLO tournament where the blind levels never increase. It is a tournament that never will end. Uh Brett, you're kind of pseudo Mo's boss. You tried to give him a break there. Any any luck? We're gonna get Mo. I, I, I have no control over that situation. <laughs> I, I try to find someone to fill in for him, but it, it it's not happening. Come on, Jan. And Jan, Jan is a. Uh, let me get this right. He's a Czech dude, um, and he's actually an American football fan, big Cowboys fan. He's an Arsenal fan though, so not a not a. Jan is hot and cold with me. The Gunners. The fucking Gunners. What's up, DP? How are you? I'm excellent. Who do you support in the the Premier League? Manchester United. Ugh. I'm one of those guys. The thing is that I, I mean, I played soccer my whole life since I was four years old, and when I was younger, the biggest soccer star was David Beckham, and he played for Manchester United. So naturally, that's just who us lowlifes in America who had no idea about global soccer just gravitated towards was David Beckham. And then through David Beckham, I fell in love with Brian Giggs, Paul Scholes, all those guys, you know, so I've just been a Manchester United fan for my whole life. So do you like Cristiano? I feel like I don't get a positive Cristiano vibe from you. I, I've always thought Cristiano Ronaldo is a giant bitch. Okay. I mean, that guy is like, wow. he's amazingly skilled, but he just he drives me. He kind of like how I've, I, view LeBron where I, I if he was on my team I would love him but I would also want to kill him on a you know daily weekly basis whenever they're playing games fair enough Ronaldo of course for those of you that are just new to the soccer was of course a United striker I, I'm a Spurs fan so Sunday was a bit brutal to watch Chelsea <sighs> take that match I love the Spurs team. though Jermaine Defoe was one of my favorite players, too. Nice. He's an OG. Brett, uh, have we converted you yet? Are you, you're still not into the proper football? What? I just took a nap. (laughs) It's better than any football they have in Buffalo, that's for sure. (laughs) That's brutal. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about tight ends. We're going to stick with the onesie position theme, and then we'll get into the real nitty-gritty Probably where the wins and losses come from most frequently in fantasy football in the subsequent weeks, wide receivers and running backs. We might just have a kicker show as well, just for Brett. A, a solo kick. You guys made me do a solo show about all of fantasy. I, I think a solo kicker show with Brett would be great. That would actually be really fun, just me ranting for 20 I'm minutes. in. I know a lot about kicking. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, before we get into the tight ends, I want to remind you, about our friends at footballcontest.com. According to our good friend Vegas Maddie, there are already 1,330 entries in the Las Vegas Super Contest, and you still have time to get in the action, even if you live outside of Nevada. All you have to do is register in person with one of our friends from footballcontest.com. That's footballcontest.com, and they will be able to submit your picks each and every week during the football season. Ready to compete against the collective for the $1 million top prize? Then head to footballcontest.com today and find out how. We are getting really close. What is it? Uh, only a couple hundred away from the uh, that magic number. 
Uh, yeah, about 700 away. I forget what the number is, 2,100 and something. But that's the 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 current number that they're at right now is already the fourth largest super contest of all time. Let's go. And by the time you said this and people hear the podcast, it'll probably be the third highest because right now the third highest is 1,403. So that's amazing. This thing is we are witnessing 2004 poker right in front of our eyes. It is happening in this moment. Yeah, we just got to develop the whole card camp for the Super Contest. <laughs> However we can figure it out to do that, we will be the pioneers of this industry. I mean, isn't this show kind of like a whole card camp? Isn't it like... Well, yeah, I mean, the, obviously the big thing is like poker was where it's the internet, right? If yeah. this thing can ever get into the internet where you don't have to use the whole going down to the brick and mortar venue, using a, you know a proxy service in the way that this is done where you have to go to Vegas, sign up in person, that sort of thing. If you can do it all over the internet, it, boom. See you later. I think of us as more of a training site. We're, uh, we're letting people into our minds. That's true. Yeah, but we don't cost any money. Yes. That's true. Because so we're here for the people. <laughs> I don't think we'd ever tout. I, I, th- I think we brought that up. No, the hell with these idiot touters. Every time I follow one of these knuckleheads on Twitter, I get a freaking DM saying, follow me for these picks or pay for these picks. Shut up. You. The reason you're selling picks is because you don't win at betting. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes me feel gross. All right, tight ends. The theme of the show. We, we can't even start discussing the position without bringing up the head honcho of the group. But before we get to him, let's let's just talk some general strategy like we did with quarterbacks. And it kind of mirrors the quarterback position, the, the fact that it is a onesie position. And there are uh, many arguments as to why you shouldn't spend a lot of opportunity cost at the top of the draft for one of the prime players. However, unlike the quarterback position where there is a long list of feasible players that you can plug in and play the tight end position there's a pretty big drop off and then everybody's the same but everybody's the same in a very very bad way <laughs> and it's kind of where the league's going we've seen three wide receiver sets more often than not in the more recent years and what happens there is you either bring the tight end in to block to help with protection or uh you just see fewer routes from tight ends because they're just not in a position to succeed when there's more use of slot receivers and running backs out of the backfield to catch balls. So it does make those elite players that much more valuable. Uh, But again, if they don't hit, the opportunity cost you're spending at the top of the draft is null and void. So what I've pivoted to, and Brett and Donnie, I'd like to hear your theory, is if I'm not in a position to draft one of those top guys, if they don't fall where I'm comfortable taking them, I'm just looking for, and this is going to sound stupidly obvious, but touchdown guys. Uh, because that's really going to be the bread and butter at this position. Can your guy fall into the end zone that week? Because we don't see tight end production in terms of catches and yards that frequently outside of the elite talent. It's really whether or not you can get a guy on the right team that gets into the red zone frequently enough, and then we'll have opportunities to score. That's where I am leaning. Brett, I'd be interested to hear what your general strategy is. Does that mean you're going to have a guy like Colby Fleener a lot this season? Just a guy who is is playing in a a game with a high total with high opportunity for 
for finding end zone targets. Somebody like Fleener interests me. Somebody like Martellus Bennett interests me. Uh, even though there are so many mouths to feed in both of those offenses, yeah, the opportunity is going to be there. And with Bennett specifically, he has a skill set that the Packers have not had in a long, long time. All the receivers, the way they win in the red zone is by scheme. The, they have you know great positioning and the routes that they run are underneath but Bennett is the type of player that he's like a schoolyard guy run to the goalpost and make a play and Rodgers can fit it into that tight window so I think he's gonna have while his he might have a couple three for 40 yard performances I think that his red zone opportunities will make it worth it and kind of buoy his overall fantasy value what about you DP what are your thoughts tight end uh I mean I'm fine with reaching for a tight end and and I say reaching with quotation marks around it because, you know, I feel like a lot of people these days, I mean, at least in every chat room that I've been in in the recent three or four years, every time the tight end, the first tight end is, is drafted, everyone blows up with, you did it too early. You know, what are you doing? Blah, 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 that sort of thing. But I think guys like Gronkowski, Kelsey, uh, Olsen, Reed are worth it in, in this day and age. Uh, You know, but like you said, um, if, if I don't get one of those guys, I'm fine with waiting till much later on. I'm not really going to be hanging around for the middling guys. And then if I do wait to much later on, I'm going to go with someone uh, with a higher risk, uh, but higher upside. Um, and then if I if I miss on those players, there's always really good tight end options to stream every week um, that you can just plug someone different in and hopefully try and find a fit that way, play against a matchup, you know, see who's playing against what defenses and that sort of thing. So if I don't get one of those top guys, which which I'm, I'm happily uh, reaching for at the beginning, um, then I'm just going to, you know, take some flyers on some, some guys later on and just try and hit a big score. Speaking of reaching, let's talk about that number one top guy. Since the beginning of time, man has been faced with one undying question to which the correct answer may lead to a lifetime of riches and eternal glory. Eternal glory. Hola, me llamo Roberto. Yo soy fiesta. Y tú también. Tú eres fiesta. Shouts to Jim Saunas and the folks at Number Fire. A little throwback there for our fans of the Fantasy Wired podcast. Gronk, he is the head honcho. He, eres, or I should say, uh, es fiesta, el es fiesta. He's currently going, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, in the middle of the second round at pick 21. I guess the end of the second round. Pick 21 in 12-team PPR leagues. Brett, where does he need to fall in order for you to pick him? Or are you comfortable at that ADP? No, I don't like that at all. I think he probably, I probably have to fall into the third round, which is crazy because two years ago at this time, I was making the argument that Gronk was worthy of the number one overall pick because of position scarcity and the value gap between him and the rest of the league. Obviously, that's not the case anymore with Gronk's lingering injury issues and I'm just more interested in the Patriots running game this year. If you look at the full season of betting lines, the Patriots are favored in every single game. They also face the fifth easiest run defense schedule this year, according to Sharp Football. And we know Bill Belichick loves to take the path of least resistance. Only five teams ran the ball at a higher rate than New England last year. And they have a Garrett Blunt in the backfield. He had a 28% market share. And DP, how good is Garrett Blunt? Garrett Blunt blows. Did you see the report? He's probably going to get cut in Philly. Exactly. <laughs> He's so, so bad. It's it's going to be – I just see the Patriots running 
at the highest rate in the league this year. I don't see Gronk putting up massive stat lines unless the Patriots do find themselves in a negative game flow situation. That's not a position I expect them to be in a whole lot this year. So for me, Gronk, third round, maybe I would rather wait on a guy like uh, like an Olsen or a Kelsey or, or just go for high upside late in the draft. See, it's interesting to me. Uh, Hater. <laughs> go ahead, DP. Give us, give us your thoughts on Gronk. I mean, I, I love Gronk. I'm a Patriots fan. The guy is an unbelievable talent. He's a freak of nature. Um, I have no problem drafting him at his ADP uh, if, if he does fall to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's just kind of my thing. Middle of the second round. Um, d- depending on who's left, I might even reach for a little bit higher up in the second round. I don't think that that's too out of the question. Um, but I also, I, I would draft him with a grain of salt because I, I take what Brett says, uh, you know, into my thinking and the fact that I don't think that he's going to be used as much this year. And then of course there's always the injury concerns, but with the injury concerns, his new contract is all incentive laden and he really has to stay on the field in order to gain a ton of the money that he gave up in, uh, just straight bonuses. So, um, I think that that bodes well for him, but I mean, there's just a ton of weapons there. And like Brett said, with the running game, I mean, it just looks like they're either going to be running the ball or dumping the ball off to the Rex Burkheads of the world and going that route. I mean, Brady's still going to have 600 attempts, right? Like the only reason one, well, not in the yeah, other probably reason. 650, one, not 650. He'll <laughs> <laughs> that's like Drew Brees territory. The only reason we saw less passing productivity or one of the reasons was because Jacoby Prezet and Jimmy Garoppolo played four games last year. That certainly played into it. There are a lot of mouths to feed in New England, but they're still going to throw the ball more often than not, and they're going to run the ball when they're in a position to salt the game away. That's that's kind of the the Patriot strategy. They don't they don't start with the run. They kind of defer to the run once they're extending their lead um, or protecting their lead. Uh, Gronk is interesting to me in that area because, and it's really dependent on what you did in the first round. If you took a, let's say, LaShawn McCoy or a Devonta Freeman, I'm more apt to be okay with taking Gronk rather than taking a one of the big three receivers, Brown, Jones, or Evans, and then going Gronk because then I think you just create this massive dearth at running back. I'm not in love with the with the ADP, but if you told me that you're not comfortable taking Todd Gurley or Doug Baldwin or Christian McCaffrey or T.Y. Hilton or Brandon Cooks and you would defer to Gronk, I'm not going to hate on that. You, uh, you've kind of, you were against Baldwin and then you were pro-Baldwin. What do you feel about, I know this isn't wide receivers, but that Baldwin ADP, would you rather have Baldwin or Gronk, uh, Brett? I would probably rather have Baldwin this year. I think they have a super easy a schedule this year, Seattle, and I love. Ba- yeah, I, I've completely turned, yeah. uh, changed my opinion on Doug Baldwin. I think he's phenomenal. So I think that's a it's a really good bounce back spot for him and, and Russell Wilson this year. So yeah, I w- I'd probably take Baldwin before Gronk this year. Yeah, that, that's that's a gun to my head. I I honestly don't know what I would do in the moment. Uh, I might go the safe route and, in my opinion, and and take Gronk. I just feel like it might be a little safer position scarcity, and uh, Bal- Baldwin is he's such a touchdown monster but he keeps doing it right he's, he's his touchdowns don't meet his volume but it's something that he just continues to do so it's, it's almost like a skill that that he has despite not being one of these monstrous des bryant types that wins uh close to the red zone uh, the next tight end off the board is travis kelsey at pick 36 
And this is the player that I do not agree with where he's going. Um, Last year was the best year of his career, uh, and he still only found the end zone six times. Uh, I mean, his touchdown upside just isn't there. And he could be as productive as a wide receiver from a catches and yards perspective. Uh, And you would think with the loss of Jeremy Macklin, there's even more opportunity there because the Chris Conleys of the world aren't necessarily world beaters. But that offense is so repressed. Their red zone opportunities are so few that I think you are drafting Travis Kelsey at his exact peak. And if he returns uh, what you invested, you broke even. You're never getting more. And the likelihood of you getting less is pretty high. Brett, where do you land on Travis Kelsey? I mean, I've got him in my top three. I I, I probably would reach for him just because of my, my quarterback strategy. I just punt quarterback. So I don't mind reaching on a guy like Kelsey in the, I don't I can't, I can't see where he's, where's his ADP right now? 36 last pick of the third round. Okay. I, yeah. I probably, I don't think I would take him that early, but I, I don't hate it. I mean, the guy's reliable. You know, he's going to get targets. He had 124 last year. You have to think with that many targets, he would find the end zone more than four times. It's crazy, but he just doesn't. Uh, I, I I have to think there's some kind of regression there. I, I think six touchdowns is, is certainly reasonable, maybe even a ceiling of like eight. Uh, so I, I, I definitely like the, the reliability he brings at the position. You just plug him in uh, a thousand yards, probably six touchdowns this year. You got to love that out of a tight end. So I would certainly look at him in the fourth round, possibly depending on roster construction, what else is available end of the third round. I would, I would look to, I'd look there too. He's pretty much Jarvis Landry, (laughs) right? And, but Jarvis is going 20 picks later. And, uh, I don't, I think Jarvis Landry is going a little too early because they just, they just don't have ceilings. The, The way that their offense functions, they just don't have ceilings. It's just how they're constructed. Uh, DP, where are you at on Kelsey? Totally opposite of you guys. I think that the gap between Gronkowski and Kelsey is closer than it has ever been, and I would draft Kelsey higher than his average draft position, and I would look to get him at a higher average draft position than getting Gronk at where he's at ADP-wise. Well, yeah, I agree with that. It's definitely – the gap is closer than it's ever been, but – I th- I, it, for me, it's just I'm that much. Uh, I'm just down on Gronk this year. Hmm. See, I think from a skill perspective, I tend to agree. I just don't think the opportunity's there. Given, I mean, I, I just like to think of it like the opportunity is there because, like you said, there's no Macklin. I mean, Tyreek Hill and Connolly. What are they really going to do? You even have Jamal Charles not in the backfield anymore, and he he was a pass catching back who could, you know, go out in the flat and that sort of thing. I mean, Kelsey's really all they have, and the guy is a freak of nature. I think that you see similar production in him in the reception in the yards category. And I think you see an uptick in the touchdowns category, which is what you're worried about. What if, what if Mahomes was starting quarterback this year with Kelsey second round pick? (laughs) Probably end of the first slinging out there. That would be fun. The, uh, this is also just again, opportunity cost. These are the players that are going after Travis Kelsey, Alshon Jeffrey, Tyree kill, Ty Montgomery, Joe Mixon, Michael Crabtree, Carlos Hyde, it's just so important to me, at least, to fill those running back and wide receiver positions and start even getting depth at those positions early in the draft that I'm just deferring to, to those players uh, as opposed to Kelsey. See, I'd rather have Kelsey over those players. Just my thinking this year. 
if you believe, if, I love tight end this year, man. I I really I was going over this the past two days, and I was like, I really like the tight end position on the whole this year more so than I have any other year. But that should that, that should be the exact that, reason for you to fade Kelsey, though. Yeah. Because no, not if I look up a few select spots. Because then you can wait for whatever tight end you like that's going off in the twelfth round. You save the opportunity costs. You you make sure. Because here's the thing is you might look at that Alshon Jeffrey name or that Tyreek Hill name in the draft and kind of squirm in your seat a little bit because they're not world beaters. But remember, in our analysis, we're wrong a lot about these guys. And Oh, we're wrong all the time. There's third and fourth rounders that make us feel gross that are going to perform like third and fourth rounders. Whereas Kelsey, uh, I mean, honestly, he has to replicate last year to make himself worth a third round pick. Which is hard to do. He he crushed last year. I mean, he did crush last year, yeah. But you know, and when I say that I love the entire tight end thing, it's not every single tight end. It's the tight end position. Like mm-hmm. I would, I, I'm gonna. The tight end for me has been kind of an afterthought the past couple of years. I've just been like, yeah, whatever. It's Gronker. I'll just figure something out, right? Um, but this year, I think it's much different for me. For me, at least personally. So you brought up Olsen there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to group Olsen and Reed together because uh, Jordan Reed just was announced that he is off the pup list, the physically unable to perform list. Uh, his ADP had plummeted all the way to the ninth pick in the fifth round. It is slowly rising. It's up to the seventh pick in that round. And Olsen is going at the second pick in the fifth round, I can promise you that they will flip-flop in the coming days and Reed will start to be drafted before Olsen. Uh, Good. Let's go. (laughs) So, Donnie, you brought up Olsen. In addition to Reed, you love the tight end position. What do you got on these two guys? Uh, Love both of these two guys. Um, I mean, it's a good sign that that Reed is off PUP. Um, It's just with him, it's like you feel a little bit of a of a gronk, you know. It's just that he's gonna get he he could get hurt every week, you know. I mean, we always joke that Reed's made of glass, uh, and and it could very well be the case. Um, but you know, I mean, Olsen is the top option in his offense, as far as I'm concerned, as a pass catcher. Uh, Reed uh, similar. He does have uh, Terrell Pryor there now, um, but Reed is really really good in the passing game. I love either one of these guys uh, interchangeably. I was also thinking that uh, in the leagues where I do have a flex option, I wouldn't mind taking trying to get two of these top four tight ends early and going that route as opposed to worrying about a you know running back or wide receiver uh, earlier in the round. You, I mean, you just need hyper efficiency then. Like, I feel like the only two guys that fulfill that role are Kelsey and Olsen. I mean, I, I'm in. I, I mean, what, I'm just. Trying new shit in fantasy football. <laughs> Season-long fantasy football is boring to me, so I'm start, starting to try new shit in order to start winning. Or uh, You got really excited there for uh, for Jordan Reed, Brett. Was that a, a good that you want people taking him earlier, or is that a good that you're a, a Reed supporter? Oh, yeah, it's good that I want people taking him earlier because I'm, I'm complete. I mean, we talked about it last week. I'm off Kirk Cousins, and that's direct correlation with Jordan Reed. I want nothing to do with that passing offense this year because the schedule is that tough. And I love Greg Olson this year. Talked about cam last week and my my love for the panthers passing game that certainly has an impact on olsen who is still the number one target in this offense and honestly i think we're gonna see big seasons out of olsen calvin benjamin and christian mccaffrey this year i hope to have shares of all of them i'm gonna be loading up on them in dfs a lot early in the season as well 
Uh, Olsen's still the number one guy. Panther's going to lean on him a, a lot, as they always do. I'll happily grab him in the – I think I'd probably reach for him even in the fourth round, uh, depending on you know how my roster's uh, forming and what, what, what else is there. But, uh, yeah, really, really high on Greg Olsen this year. Yeah, the, the sentiment that I gave earlier about uh, Gronk kind of applies in all these mid-rounds as well. And I, I think doing my analysis and prepping for drafts this season has really shown me that a wide receiver is just deep AF. Like, you could plant me into the ninth round, and I'm looking around at some of the receivers, and I'm, I'm telling stories as to why guys could have a good year and being okay with it. Like, like here we go. Like John Brown. John Brown's going with the tenth, the last pick in the tenth round. Like, why can't John Brown be like a top twenty receiver this year? You know. So I feel like there's just opportunities if you're secure and you feel safe at running back to take some shots in the middle of the draft at tight end. I'm I'm in. Completely agree. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. We're gonna get to some value tight ends in a bit, but first. We gotta step into the Blue Apron Kitchen again, boys and girls. You trust the collective for analysis on the field, and now it's time to trust us in the kitchen, in the cucina. We've linked up with Blue Apron, where you can receive $30 off your first order when you go to blueapron.com slash gridirongamble. This week's menu includes spicy summer vegetable curry with toasted coconut and cilantro rice, and sweet sour pork bowls with sautéed mushrooms, and miso roasted eggplant. Mmm. Get all the ingredients selected, measured, and sent directly to you by going to blueapron.com slash gridirongamble. That's blueapron.com slash gridirongamble. Delicious. Love eggplant. All right, let's get to some value tight ends now, and I'll start with you, Brett. If you are waiting, if you're not grabbing an Olsen in the fourth, where are you going? How, how late are we going? I, I know you love, uh, I'm probably going to spoil this a little bit. I know you love the young kid in San Diego. Give us some of your late round tight end strategy. Yeah, Hunter Henry is my dude this year. I mean, I'm going to try and get him in every single league. This kid was one of the most efficient tight ends last year, but didn't see the field because the Chargers were parading Antonio Gates around trying to get him into the record books. It's a new season now. They. They spent a second-round pick on this kid. He is a monster. And while I, they're certainly going to have Gates on the field, and he's still going to go after that touchdown mark, I think Henry takes over the starting job in San Diego rather quickly. He's going to emerge into a dominant player at the position this year. His his numbers last season were just incredible, given his lack of usage. And I, I just think San Diego has no choice but to have him on the field for uh, a high percentage of snaps if they want him in football games. My bull call this year, Hunter Henry, is a top three fantasy tight end. Uh, chances of that happening are small because you're still going to see a lot of Antonio Gates, especially early in the season. But I, I think Henry uh, is a is a good bet to finish as a top five tight end this year. So uh, he's currently going, I think, around 100 in drafts. I think that's a great buy that late. So, uh, yeah, all the Hunter Henry. If you want to punt the position and kind of get a late guy with high upside, I think Hunter Henry is a great play. Hunter Henry going with the 10th pick in the ninth round, 107. What's bizarre is his ADP. In the middle of August, he was the ninth pick in the eighth round, and he has plummeted, plummeted nearly uh, a round and a half down to the 10th pick in the ninth round, which is pretty.
pretty bizarre to me. I don't quite understand that. Players going uh, right before and after. We've got Quiz Rogers, Marvin Jones, Jordan Matthews, CJ Procise, Jamal Williams, all the question marks possible. Whereas Hunter Jam- Henry is... Jamal Williams? <laughs> the hell is a Jamal Williams? Jamal Williams is the potential handcuff and potential goal line back for the Green Bay Packers. Wow. And he is going in the same neighborhood as one Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry's really good at football. Uh, and I, I totally buy into the fact that he could have even performed even better last year had Gates not been on the field. Uh, his body control, his route running, uh, this guy does amazing things on the football field. And what's crazier, the craziest thing about Hunter Henry is historically at the tight end position, even the greats, even the Gronks of the world, they don't do that in their rookie season. They never do. It's one of the hardest positions to trans- transition to in the league because you've you've got so many responsibilities. Nobody considers blocking or anything like that when they're doing any kind of fantasy analysis, but the, the tight end position, when you have to get uh, at the end of the line and assist a tackle and know the play and be in protection, uh, it is so complicated, and you need to build up so much strength as a young kid in order to do all the things that tight ends need to do. And Hunter Henry walked into the league last year and kind of shit on everybody. So his his range of outcomes for this year and the future are pretty astonishing. And I don't think that top three prediction is as crazy as it might sound uh, to some of you out there. So uh, at the end of the ninth, yeah, Hunter Henry is a, a bye-bye-bye all day. Uh, DP, any light late tight ends that you catch your eyes on? I agree with everything you guys said on Hunter Henry. Uh, I just hope that the Chargers aren't idiots and keep Antonio Gates on the sidelines because that guy is way too old for his own good anymore. Get him one touchdown, let him retire. Um, I'm kind of uh, thinking a little bit about Jimmy Graham this year. The you know I I think Seattle as a whole turns it around, um, and I like him. I think that in the past couple of years, you know, he burned myself included, uh, some people mainly in 2015 when he had that big season engine injury, uh, but he he bounced back last year, um, and you know he had 65 receptions, 900 yards, and six touchdowns. So I think that while some people might be like, oh, you know, Jimmy Graham, I'm not going to deal with that again. Uh, that could allow you to get him. Uh, maybe a round or two lower than uh, average draft position uh, says. Um, and, you know, I I kind of, uh, you know, I mean, Kyle Rudolph goes into Rich's thing earlier about talking about guys who uh, have, have touchdown upside. Uh, he gets a lot of red zone targets. Um, and, you know, Brett alluded to this on the quarterback pod, uh, whatever, last week. But um, Minnesota plays some some really crappy pass defenses to start the season, so. Yeah, what's really interesting to me about Jimmy Graham is I don't see the difference between him and Kelsey, to be honest. And obviously, with their current ADPs, I'd rather take Jimmy Graham 24 picks later in the draft. If you look at roster construction, like actual NFL roster construction, the the pass-catching situations in Kansas City and Seattle are pretty similar. You got two guys that play outside that don't have the body type to play outside, but can do it and Tyreek Hill and Doug Baldwin and then the guys who uh, mirror them on the other side of the field are just like complete randos like who who are the Seahawks going to trot out to play <laughs> play wide opposite of Doug Baldwin are we going are we going to see P Rich like put together a full season and stay healthy and play receiver even if we do he's not 
he's not a world beater. Like I, I've always loved P. Rich. I, he's a long guy. He can make contested catches. He's pretty good in the open field. But like Jimmy Graham is like the other guy in this offense. Yeah, they showed last year they can't run the football, so they're going to have to sling it. Yeah. And Jermaine is Jermaine Curse still there? Because he is terrible. That I, I honestly have no idea. I, I remember Curse had a, a neck injury. I don't know where he is in the recovery process. Um, but yeah, they're just trotting out things opposite. Like Tyler Lockett, he's not a wide. He's not. He's not an, an X or a Z receiver. He's an inside guy. So Jimmy Graham, he's the number two receiver on this team. And if you're trying to make all these arguments for Kelsey, trust me, just wait 24 more picks and take Jimmy Graham in the fifth round. Along those lines, I I heard a stat the other day that Jimmy Graham averaged two-tenths of of points less than Kelsey did last year. And he was also uh, one of three tight ends who had six or more games with 10 points or more last season. So he does have that that similarity to, to Travis Kelsey. There you go. Brett, you were going to say something else. Yeah, this just just goes into the depth that DP was talking about at the position. We can make cases for all these guys. I mean, Reed, Graham, Rudolph. I, I love Ebron this year. I think it's a good time to hop on Eric Ebron. His, his fantasy output last year wasn't very good, but he you know, severely hurt by touchdown variants. And with Anquan Boldagon, you got to think his his uh, his touchdown or his red zone targets are going to increase. There's there's just a lot to like at the position this year. So I don't mind waiting for a guy like Hunter Henry or Ebron or, or Rudolph. I love Rudolph as well. So uh, I, I just don't think you can go wrong really with any of these guys. Yeah, Ebron, uh, excuse me, Bolden was the de facto tight end for the Lions last year. Always played in the slot, always played a role in the red zone. And I think it's fair to assume that unless Babytron uh, Galladay really is the absolute GOAT, uh, that Ebron is going to see an increase in uh, red zone productivity. And any little increase would be huge for him. Uh, he's just had a terrible time finding the end zone. Uh, yeah, 90, 91 targets last year. He had a really high completion rate. If he sees 100-plus targets this year, I think you could see Eric Ebron finish as a top-five tight end. The guy that I'm going to bring up who is an absolute punt, he's going in the 13th round, the 155th pick is Austin Hooper, along the same lines as uh, Kobe Fleener and Marty B. He's the tight end in a highly efficient offense that is going to have a ton of red zone opportunities. And he is ready to take on, in my opinion, the the role of tight end in this offense. We saw later in the year, Austin Hooper get involved more and more. And in the Super Bowl, who led the, the Atlanta Falcons in targets? It was Austin Hooper. Now maybe that a lot a lot of that had to do with scheme on the Patriots, but he had three grabs for 32 yards and a touchdown. Um, he's going to have a ton of opportunity in again a highly efficient offense, and I want guys like that later in the draft that I can scoop up and try to get on my roster. And if it doesn't work out, whatever you know, uh, I can try and stream the position. So more often than not, I'm going to wait just like quarterback, as long as possible. But you guys have had me thinking about maybe taking some shots in the middle rounds of drafts instead of waiting and waiting and waiting. Although I do like I do like Hooper. Uh, any stayaways, Brett, any guys that you would tell our fans that they are not going to perform to ADP and that 
you, they should avoid them uh, pretty much at all costs. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Gronkowski. I just don't see any way he reaches. I mean, his ADP is way down from where it used to be, and I still don't think he's going to be able to reach that. I talked about Jordan Reed a little bit. I want nothing to do with that Washington passing game at all. Other than that, I mean, the top 12, I like I said, I could make cases for every single one of these guys. I think O.J. Howard is kind of fringy right now as far as a starting tight end in fantasy leagues. I, I'm not I'm not comfortable with him yet. I haven't seen enough out of him yet. And Jack Doyle, that Indianapolis offense is really uh, questionable at this time with, with uh, Andrew Luck's injuries and that offensive line is a mess. So I'm not all that high on Jack Doyle either. But outside of that, love Ebron. Uh, I can get behind Austin Hooper. I think he's he'll be really interesting in DFS this year. Because he's one of those guys who could just show up and score two touchdowns and win you a big tournament. Uh, I like him. And Flanner kind of in the same spot there, too. Uh, for Are they even being drafted right now? I mean, they're super low. You can probably pick them up off waivers early in the season, too. But uh, I, I, it's a really, really deep position this year. Uh, but Jordan Reed and Gronkowski are going to be nowhere near my rosters. DP, any avoids for you? Yeah, some of the later round guys uh, that have a little bit of more attractive names that people like to gravitate towards. So some people that I'm thinking about, uh, Brett just mentioned one of them, Jack Doyle with the Colts. I mean, his quarterback hasn't thrown the ball in like seven years, so who the hell knows what's going to happen there. Julius Thomas with the Dolphins. You know, some people I think uh, think that he's going to you know kind of go back to his Denver ways. I don't agree with that at all. And then uh, the two guys from the Bears, Deion Sims, who got a decent contract, and Zach Miller, who's always been a name that people like to throw around um, on a, on a season long basis and also in a, a DFS basis, you know, I just think that the, the bears are a nightmare. Um, so I would stay away from that group of guys. And, and, you know, if, if I'm going to stay away from that group of guys, I, I'd rather take a flyer on someone like, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but like a Charles clay, big play clay. I mean, who's what's what's, I don't even know what's available in Buffalo anymore, but Bolden left. I mean, so who's going to catch the ball there? Yeah, I mean, if Clay can stay on the field, the big question with him is injuries. The guy's always hurt. But yeah, <laughs> we have nobody else to throw the ball to, so why not? And Yeah, I mean, I, when I said earlier, I mean, if I'm going to take some of these guys in the later rounds, I'm just going to take some crazy flyers, and I think Clay kind of fits into that role. I mean, he could, he could, I mean, Tyrod likes to run around scramble a lot, and if, if Clay can make himself open, I mean, I think he's a good option. And Rick Dennison is a West Coast guy, so there will be plays for uh, Charles Clay there will be rollouts designed for a three-yard drag to Charles Clay. Like, that is the staple of a West Coast offense. So the opportunity is going to be there. And he's been pretty efficient with the ball in his hands. So not a bad uh, punt play. By the way, the Falcons, Austin Hooper, they get the Bears week one. So, I mean, you could use a 13th round pick. You could get him. He could do well. He could not. You can move on the next week or do whatever, stream the position. But that week one matchup, is very juicy. Brett, you brought up my fade, full fade, no shot, zero shares. OJ Howard, get out of here with drafting OJ Howard to be your starting tight end. He is going in the 13th round, so you're not giving up a lot of draft capital. I can't get too angry, but he he's just there's in his range of outcomes, there are so few that he is a fantasy starter this season. One of the things that has really helped his stock as a football player and an NFL prospect, is how good he is at blocking, which does not help us in fantasy. Uh, Cameron Brait is not a good blocking tight end. He's a move tight end. So in all two tight end sets, 
Who do you think is going to be doing the blocking, and who do you think is going to be doing the route running? Uh, Cameron Brait uh, scored a bunch of touchdowns last year. If I, if I recall, he was tied for second in touchdowns last year with eight. So he's not just going to fall off the earth. His production's not going to be the same. I'm not expecting the same 6, 16, 8. But he's going to have a role in an offense that he already knows. So we cannot expect O.J. Howard to be a fantasy-relevant tight end this season. He's got all the tools, but unfortunately one of those tools is going to keep him at the line of scrimmage while Cameron Braid is running down the field getting open. So avoid. If I take a rookie tight end, it's the Browns. David Njoku. Njoku the master. I would just take a flyer on him as like a you know second tight end option filler, see if he blows up, whatever. Yeah, Engram's interesting, but uh, McAdoo has shown in his whole career no interest in the tight end position. I mean, that he's stupid? <laughs> I mean, the Giants broke the record, I, I think, at all levels, not just pro, but college and, foot, and Pop Warner and high school. Uh, three receiver sets last year. So they're not committed to the tight end position whatsoever. And and Ingram might change that. But again, if we go back to his Packer days, uh, McAdoo is is not invested in the tight end position that much. Ingram's Ingram's not even really a tight end. I don't even remember him playing much tight end at at Ole Miss. He was more of a receiver, but he's just such a big body. He's definitely interesting. If you can get him, you probably can get him off waivers at this point, right? Yeah, he's... uh... His ADP is 14th round, which uh, what's what's interesting about the tight end position specifically and looking at ADP is I think that you're going to see a lot of uh, push up and push down, meaning the guys that go early, I think will go a little earlier than you expect in your home leagues. And I think that the guys who go late are going to go really late in your home leagues. So the... Reed's Olsen's of the world. Uh, if you want them, I think you have to nab them a little early. Again, these are for home leagues. Sharper leagues will probably go closer to something like Fantasy Football Calculator ADP. But in those home leagues where people just like, oh, I, they're just ticking boxes. Like, okay, I need two running backs, two receivers, a tight end. I think you could see them going a little earlier. Uh, and then a guy like Ingram will just fall out of the draft entirely. Yeah, and going back to Ingram, uh, looking back at their previous game he lined up all over the field 25 snaps and a small percentage of those at tight end so if they can find ways to use him he he could be a sneaky high upside pick late in drafts it's just so interesting with uh shepherd and marshall though because you would assume they'd want after spending a draft pick on him shepherd to play in the inside and you would assume after spending free agency capital on him, they'd want Brandon Marshall to be their big body guy in the red zone. So I don't just don't know where Ingram fits. Well, they're not going to run. <laughs> That's true. The, the targets are probably going to be there. That's true. There might be 800 attempts in this offense. And with it, 100 interceptions from Eli Manning. That is very true. So that's the, uh, the tight end position. The, the onesie position. We're done with the onesies, and we're going to get to the real meat and potatoes next week with the wide receivers and the running backs. And then two weeks after that, two weeks from today, is football. Football. We will have our first Friday show where we will reveal our week one super contest picks, and then we will, uh, after that, follow that up with nonstop bitching and moaning about how bad we run throughout the entire 
2017 season. Be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at Brett Colson, C O L L S O N, and at Donnie underscore Peters. We are at Gridiron Gamble on Twitter. Send us an email, Gridiron Gamble Podcast at gmail.com. And you can ship us, I didn't check the voicemail, but you can ship us your 10 second takes. I'm, I'm sweating here. Uh, wow, you forget it again? I'm sweating here. Yeah, some host. 7244 Gamble? Yes. Yes! Come on, the Gamble. It's Seven. not that hard. You got to remember three numbers. It's a lot of numbers. A lot of numbers. Well, now I know how to remember it. I'm just going to remember uh, 72 Dolphins. And then who's a who's a football player that wore 44? Did John Is that Larry, Larry Zonka? Did, oh, that's that's even worse. Then it's like a, no, the, the running back for the for the Browns. What was his name? Uh, fuck, God. Larry Zonka, forty four. Yes, he wore forty four. Man, that is an all Miami way of remembering it. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with it. That's crazy. Seven two four four. We are we are the Dolphins Gambling Podcast. Seven two four four Gamble. Give us your ten second takes. This has been Grid Iron Gamble. This is a big draft weekend, so I hope you guys are prepared. Hope you guys go in and crush. We'll see you next week. Peace. Out. <laughs>